The following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast by thepilotreport.com about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode number 52, insurance discounts, standardized rental checkouts, open airplane, and more coming up now on this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast, sponsored by forpilotsonly.com. Now, here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Sean Moody, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Len Costa. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. I'm your host, Len Costa. Joining me on the show today are my favorite group of aviation dropouts, Mr. Carl Valeri, tuning in from his studio down in Florida, and Mr. Rick Felty, joining us from his studio all the way in Massachusetts. Unfortunately, co-hosts Sean Moody and Victoria Zyko will not be joining us on the show today, and we look forward to them returning in the next episode. This episode today is part two of an interview series with pilot and business owner Rod Rackick. In the first part of the episode, episode number 51, Rod shared with us his experiences within Civil Air Patrol. We also talked about zombie apocalypses, locator beacons, and a whole other slew of different topics. Now, this part of the show is where we actually get to hear from Rod about his inspiration for Open Airplane, exactly what the business is and what it means to you, the aircraft renter, especially how it's going to simplify your aircraft and rental checkouts and allow you access to airplanes that you can rent anywhere in the country. So without further ado, we jump into part two of this interview with Rod Rackick. Now entering cruise flight. Now, Rod, the the experience, one part of your experience here um, sort of helped or spurred some inspiration, if you will, for uh, for a mo- for your most recent business launch. And now that recent business launch is something that I've actually mentioned here in the podcast many times before, and that is Open Airplane. Now, Open Airplane is a uh, relatively new platform. As of the time that we're recording this, you guys just launched two days ago officially. Right. Um, Now, you know, basically Open Airplane, the idea is to simplify the rental aircraft rental process for pilots and make it standardized nationwide. So when I rent an airplane in Chicago, that checkout is good when I'm visiting L.A. or Florida, et cetera. what was you know what was that inspiration that 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 led to um, you know some of the footing in this new business? Sure. Um, well, I mean, it starts with the fact that we wanted to scratch our own itch. Um, I'm a renter pilot. I uh, I've been part of flying clubs before. I've worked at flight schools, but most of my civilian non-CAP flying is with uh, you know flight schools and FBOs that rent me their airplanes being super frustrated by the fact that essentially as far as at least the civilian flying world is concerned, as soon as I left my home base, you know, if I'm checked out to fly at the flight school at Midway airport in Chicago, 
um, you know, when I left Chicago, my pilot credentials essentially turned off. And that, that, you know, that's kind of a problem, especially if you're someone who travels, someone wants to fly with, fam- you know, f- friends or family when they're away from their home base, or even if the, you know, the airplane usually flies and available. I mean, if, if your driver's license only allowed to, allowed you to rent from enterprise and you couldn't use Hertz if enterprise was out of cars that day, it'd, it'd be, it'd be kind of ridiculous. And so that was the the primary problem that we wanted to tackle um, with uh, with open airplane, and so we sort of set about sort of well, let's see how could we do this? How could how could we make everyone's pilot certificate more valuable? Right now, one and I, and I from what I gathered, one of the biggest struggles, uh, maybe not even struggle, but the biggest hurdle to overcome is to not only getting operators to sign off on the concept, but but getting a collaboration within the aviation insurance industry. And that's why I said there was some inspiration and some takeaway from your experiences um, with developing, uh, you know, from, from Civil Air Patrol, your experiences there, but developing basically what has become a new standardized checkout that is what I really envision as the um the pinnacle uh and the the real essence of how this all came together by putting together this really robust standardized checkout system you were able to get the uh basically get the aviation insurance industry one at a time um through talking to them and working and collaborating and putting this project together to basically get them to sign off and so, so tell us what exactly, you know, is the checkout process like? Okay. So when we first started talking about the idea of, could we have a better way to run airplanes? We started talking about how to actually execute that and we started getting into the details of it. And people love the idea, love the idea of having access to aircraft everywhere they go. Um, uh, immediately the reaction was, well, the insurance guys will never let you do it. Love the idea. The industry will just never let you do it. That's, and that that was a welcome thought. challenge too, though. Right there, you're like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> a little bit. This. <laughs> yeah, the eyebrows grew together. The fangs came out, um, kind of leaned in. Um, and what we did is we said, well, who's already solved this, right? Well, mil- you know, so airline flying is based on military flying. Military flying sort of, you know, you know, solved this a long time ago with this concept of standardization and evaluation, right? So if you're a member of the military flying community, if you're flying for the Air Force, Navy, the Marine Corps, if you're flying like you guys do in the commercial environment or a professional environment, even like a, like a, a 135 operator, you know, or, you know, a corporate flight department or something, um, you all have, those communities all have access to a Stan Eval program that gives them the ability to do their jobs, right? So Len and Carl can jump into the cockpit of, uh, you know, anywhere, you know, at any, you know, base and, you know, in their, in their company and fly with any other crew in their company. And because of standardization and evaluation, they can do their jobs. If you're a civilian pilot flying on a part 91, it's kind of like, well, good luck. Uh, and you're on your own. And, uh, and, you know, and that's suboptimal. So, so, well, what could we find a way to commercialize uh, this concept of uh, standardization and evaluation and then use that as a way to solve the problem that the insurance carriers 
have long served, you know, solved by, you know, asking their uh, each and every flight school to give a checkout, you know, a local checkout uh, every time a new customer rolled into the door. And that's a really bad solution. The problem of making sure that pilots can fly safely and, um, you know, are, are current and proficient to, to, you know, rent the aircraft and, and, uh, and solve that. So we looked around, we saw that, for instance, CAP's accident rate is 60% lower than everybody else's. Um, you know, you look at the accident rate for single engine piston aircraft in the U.S., it's around 7.11 accidents per every 100,000 hours flown. It's horrible. That's worse than helicopters in combat. Helicopters in combat over places like Iraq and Afghanistan have a better safety record than single-engine piston aircraft in the United States overall. Then you look at the Civil Air Patrol, same kind of pilot, same kind of airframe, and quite honestly, a tougher mission with more demands. You know, flying in the class Bravo, doing aerial photography uh, after a hurricane is you know a, a tougher mission in most cases than the kind of flying that most uh, civilian fly, you know, pilots, you know, fly, you know, for the typical hundred dollar hamburger. But the CAP's accident rate is only, um, you know, two point eight accidents per every hundred thousand dollars flown. So a sixty percent lower accident rate. We set about as part of the development of open airplane, really, to understand, well, how can the rest of us enjoy that kind of safety, um, and and how could we, uh, you know untangle the, the secret sauce that obviously this community has has come up with and uh and bring that to the rest of the pop population without the necessary haircuts and flight suits and so so that that was a little bit of the secret sauce that we brought to the insurance industry we said we're going to do it like this and this is what you get if you do it like this there's our case study this is why we think we can uh, lower the accident rate dramatically while offering pilots a lot more capability and a lot more utility out of their pilot certificate. Mm -hmm. and, and that was, you know, that was, that was, that was the starting point, getting them on board with, with feeling comfortable with this standardized checkout. And then, you know, from there, what you've done is you've built a network, um, around getting operators who are agreeing basically to give a checkout based on this this robust checkout this standardized checkout mm -hmm. uh so that's that's what's allowing but, your users and your pilots to essentially take that checkout with them from region to region city to city state to state but God, the insurance part you just touched on though is really cool because <laughs> I finally dawned on me after hearing this whole, you know, I know about this, uh, I've known about this for a while, but the idea that you gave them a reason why it's in their interest to like this, right? I assume? Uh, right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, that's huge. That's a huge part. As you look at the equation, how are we going to get this guy to do this? They've got, there's an incentive and you just walk through it, which is safety, lower, you know, they're going to have to pay out less because there'll be less accidents because this is better for them. So if they jump on board, you know, it's good. And, and so anyway, I, I'm saying what you just said. I was lucky. We had a lot of folks in the insurance industry that were willing to like sit down with me for, you know, a, a lemonade in a shady spot, you know, at Oshkosh, you know, in 2011, um, you know, I stalked these folks and said, you know, I've got an idea for you. Well, they, they, they get people, ideas in aviation <laughs> come, you know, from everywhere, you know, 
And if you're an insurance guy, you've got folks coming in. Well, we're going to reduce the action rate to zero. Right. You know, and so I said, well, no, 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 we're not going to do that. But we're going to actually we're going to reduce the action rate really significantly. We're going to reduce. We, we aim to reduce it by 60 percent. And this is why we think we can and right. do that. Of course, one guy actually answered that he was thrilled to hear that it was only 60% because, you know, if we actually reduce it to zero, no one would buy insurance right. out of a job. <laughs> right. So, uh, so you know, we, we started by solving the problem by figuring out how other people had already solved it in different domains. And we just simply applied it to the you know, to the domain that we cared about, which is private aviation, right? Uh, you know, a lot of people you will, will say, well, look, the general aviation numbers are, are trending upwards. It's great. Well, general aviation, you know, is so broad. It's, it's everything that isn't military or commercial flying is general aviation, right? That is uh, everybody who's flying BizAv and agriculture, even flight training and all that. Well, that's great. You know, like looking at BizAv and the numbers on BizAv and how uh, business aviation is growing, that's great. But you know, I love the idea of using aviation to 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 prosecute a business, but you know, sitting in the back, uh, you know, while I'm working on spreadsheets, or if I'm traveling for fun, you know, sitting in the back of a of a turbojet airplane while a couple of guys, you know, drive up front, and you know, I'm sitting in the back drinking Cristal. I totally aspire to that. I'll admit that, <laughs> but it does not inspire me. So I aspire to that but it doesn't inspire me. What inspires me is I want to fly the plane. I want to, I want to be able to, you know, climb up front and, you know, go somewhere on my own schedule and, you know, take my friends or my, my business colleagues. That's the promise that everyone gets sold when they first, you know, start, you know, getting sucked into the whole, you know, I'm going to go get a pilot's license thing. And then you find out, Oh, well, you know, piston engine flying in the United States is going down. 3% 3% year over year. The FAA projections say that in 2015, uh, suddenly it'll, it'll level out and start climbing again, and we'll have some kind of magical recovery in, 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 in terms of flight hours in the United States. Every time I talk to people in the industry, they, they kind of shrug their shoulders like, I don't know why that would happen. Uh, you know? so, so, okay, you know, one way you, you do that is you, you turn this around by fixing the value proposition of having a pilot certificate in your pocket. There are a lot of smart people that have been working for years on how to make the pilot, you know, getting a pilot's license and growing the pilot population by making it, you know, less expensive, less arduous, you know, basically less silly to get a pilot's license, right? But you're still looking at ten dollars to $13,000 as an average across the United States to get a private pilot certificate. It's probably going to take you six to 12 months to do it. And then the thing turns off as soon as you leave your home base. The value proposition of having a pilot certificate in your pocket is fundamentally broken. Hmm. And the only way we're going to turn this around and not you know, just watch private aviation as a segment wither and, and, and die is to fix it. And this is our attempt. Cool. Now, Rod, you've you recently la- officially launched, and you're yes. in uh, I think six cities currently. Yeah, June seventeenth, we launched the app. We have been in a private alpha testing with about fifty users. Uh, prior to that, we have bases as of this minute uh, in Chicago, Detroit, uh, New York, Kissimmee, Florida. 
uh, Long Beach, California and San Jose, California. That was our initial footprint. Now what we're doing right now, and that's why I'm here back in Florida today, two days after the launch, traveling the country, meeting with operators of rental aircraft to grow that network as quickly as we can. We have verbal commitments from another nine cities. Uh, we've got about 50 operators across the country in our uh, pipeline who have contacted us, who are hand raisers, who are interested in um, in growing the network. Because really, this is Metcalf's law at work, right? This is, uh, you know, the, the situation, if you're the first guy with a fax machine, you're pretty frustrated. And it's only when someone else and <laughs> someone else and someone else buys their fax machine that your fax machine becomes more valuable. So that's what we're trying to grow next. Now that we've got uh, a, a software platform that people can use, uh, we've, you know, we're starting with six bases, but we're going to grow that as quickly as possible. Um, some, some statistics that blew my mind was that we started um, after seven months on stealth talking to the insurance carriers to sort of figure out how to make open air airplane go. We announced what we were doing publicly for the first time at Sun and Fun in 2012. Just oh, just over a year ago. In that year, over 5,800 pilots gave us their email address when they, you know, prior to launch, we didn't have a service. They just said, "I'm interested in this concept. Send me, send me more information." We had 5,800 5, pilots, you know, sign up. Once we had 5,800 pilots signed up, that's what gave, uh, you know, operators of rental aircraft an incentive to get engaged with us because. The, you know, we, we were able to demonstrate demand. Um, so we got our first six bases uh, up and running and we launched on Monday. And when I, I think when I went to bed on Monday, pretty late, I, I think I saw 600 pilots had logged into the system and created their pilot profile on open airplane. When I went to bed last night, even later, um, there were something like 1,800 pilots. And um, I checked a few minutes ago, just before we jumped on uh, the podcast uh, recording, and uh, we now have over 2,000 pilots with profiles in open airplane. Wow. And just, yeah, wh what is this, like uh, 48 hours initially? Yeah, pretty much. Gentlemen, before we continue, a quick break for a word from our sponsor. When iPad pilots think of efficient cockpit management, there's only one name to know, forpilotsonly.com. Whether you fly with an iPad or iPad mini, we have a full line of kneeboard and yoke mount options that will help you optimize your time in the air. At fourpilotsonly.com, every product is engineered and manufactured in the USA, and our forever guarantee against damage is the strongest you'll find anywhere. If your iPro Aviator or iPro Navigator is damaged, even if it's your fault, we'll repair or replace it for free. Forever. If you're an iPad pilot, remember our name, fourpilotsonly.com. And we're back for our next question. Okay, so... And that's what I wanted, because I wanted to ask you about the city. So the idea is, and now we can kind of walk um, walk through the process of how it works, but right now you're in the six cities. So if somebody wants to be part of, uh, you know, part of the open airplane network, part of uh, a, a renter in the open airplane network, now we'll use Chicago as an, ex as an example because uh, it's where you and I primarily 
spend most of our time. So um, I'm going to go to your operator in, here in the Chicagoland area. And I am going to do this standardized checkout. Uh, walk me through the process of, you know, basically from start to finish. Sure. Uh, actually, the very best place to start is pilots.openairplane.com. That is our pilot guide that we developed. It's not super long. It's not a big manual, but it is a sort of orientation to open airplane. It explains how uh, open airplane works. It explains for pilots how... Uh, they can prepare um, to to do the checkout. So the checkout, is, and you know, then we you can you can see all the details of of it. But the value proposition of our checkout is threefold. One is the open airplane universal pilot checkout resets the clock on your flight review. When you've completed the checkout with one of the operators in our network, that flight instructor you flew with, because you've done an hour on the ground, you've done at least an hour in the air everything's done to the PTS and it's pass fail. So it's tougher than your typical flight review and, and, and significantly tougher than, you know, the typical sort of local renter checkout, you know, the three times around the pattern. Yeah, here, here you go. Here are the keys, um, which still costs you hundreds of dollars and half a day to execute. Um, so you get a chance to reset the clock on your flight review. Every insurance carrier in the U.S. that writes non-owned policies, the renter's insurance, has agreed to pilots who complete the open airplane checkout a discount on their renter insurance premiums for the year. So you save some money. And then third, and this is why everyone is willing to jump through the, you know, the, you know, this process with us, is you then get access to the aircraft in the network all around the country without having to do a local checkout before you fly. And so now we can get closer to the ideal of running an airplane as easy as running a car. Um, so the first step, go to pilots.openairplane.com, then create your pilot profile on open airplane, and then use open airplane to find an operator near you and request a, you know, a time that's convenient for you to go fly the universal pilot checkout. You'll do that once every 12 year, uh, 12 months. Um, so it's an annual standardization and evaluation program cloaked in a, uh, friendly, uh, user experience that we've tried to develop, you know, on your, on your phone, your tablet or your desktop computer. Okay. So I will still be, because you know, one of the, you know, one is sometimes one of those other struggles and you just, you just touched upon it, but even, it, even when I've rented airplanes from various FBOs around the country, sometimes their insurance requires you to be uh, not just um, regulatory compliance, meaning you know you've, you're going to be single engine day current in this aircraft, but sometimes the FBO or the rental agency itself says, you know, we want you to have rented our aircraft in the last 30, 60, or 90 days. Now, your process has simplified it down to you take the initial checkout, uh, the initial standardized checkout, you get access to the entire system nationwide, and then you just do a yearly recurrent uh, standardized training now or, or um yeah, I guess it would be retraining or recurrent training. I if call you will. It, yeah, the evaluation. Right. So, so now is that is that twelve month uh, evaluation as robust as the initial, or is yes. it uh, okay? Yeah. So you're every twelve months, pilots get the opportunity to demonstrate that they can still fly to the PTS. 
right? So you, you have a chance to knock the rust off. You have a chance to uh, maybe scrape away any bad habits that have formed in the previous 12 months. It's, it's fantastic from a standpoint of giving you confidence that you still have um, you know, those skills that you demonstrated when you first got your ticket to a DPE, you can demonstrate them to one of our instructor pilots at one of our bases. And then, you know, you can fly with that confidence, you know, for the, for the next 12 months. Um, you still need 90 day currency to rent with open airplane. You still have to be a pilot. There aren't any students, but you can be a support pilot. Um, so we've taken away some of the kind of the silliness, like this idea that I have to rent with you, uh, flight school a, even though I've been renting from flight school B across the field every weekend for the mm -hmm. last three months, but then that, you know, that other flight school's airplane isn't available. So now I can't fly at all. Right. You know, and you know, even though I've been flying the same hardware, I mean, you know, some of this stuff just borders on, on ridiculous. So what we've done is we've at least tried to take away some of the ridiculous out there, um, and make it, make more sense for the operator in terms of bringing them more pilots, more utilization of their airframes, a simplified billing system, um, you know, and, and essentially make them more profitable. Uh, but for the pilot, we've uh, standardized what the checkout is. We've standardized what the rental agreement is. So you're not signing a new renter's agreement every time you travel around the country. We've all seen, you know, good renter's agreement and we've seen some ridiculous ones. Um, you know, and then even just paying for the darn thing, you know, we've all sat there and watched the 22 year old CFI struggle with the credit card machine after we've rented a plane and, uh, you know, been frustrated because we have other things to do with open airplane. Not only are you finding the aircraft that are available for rent with our software, you're also then making a rental uh, booking request, you know, so for the rental, when you want to fly that airframe, uh, on the software. And then when you're done flying, you actually input your Hobbs time, your tack time into open airplane on your smartphone or on your iPad or on a, on a whatever desktop computer you can grab. Um, and then you just hand in the keyboard and the, you know, the keys and the clipboard and you walk out the door. Right. So like I'm, I'm here in a hotel tonight in Florida, you know, as I'm traveling around the country meeting with uh, flight schools, I'm not going to stop at the front desk and, you know, chat up the, the you know, the, the person there and wait for her to print a receipt. Uh, you know, they've got my credit card on file. That's what they're going to build the room to. Why do we, you know, we don't do that when we rent cars. We don't rent that. We don't do that when we rent, uh, you know, hotel rooms essentially. Uh, but somehow aviation, uh, still wants to operate like we're in the 1950s. Yeah. So I mean, we're, we're solving that. Yeah. And you call, I mean, you called it silliness, but what essentially it is, is just a, a, a broken system that, you know, as a whole, like you said, is sort of antiquated. And what open airplane does is essentially it's simplifying many of the processes, not just the checkout, but the rental and the billing and everything. It's just simplifying, um, you know, the model that we're used to and making it easier and giving us a lot more access uh, to to aircraft all around. Now, I know, uh, Carl, you had a couple of questions. Yeah, you know, Rod, um, this is really interesting and I want to get involved. So one of the things that, and I have a comment about this too, as far as getting involved and moving forward, but I, I don't have all my information with me, but I want to, I want to jump on there and, and, 
and sign up for this. I say I don't have a credit card with me. Can can I go ahead and start this process now? Absolutely. So actually, you can use the Open Airplane app without entering a credit card. Mm -hmm. You just go to openairplane.com. Um, you can actually skip our entire sign up process and just click the logo in the top left and that'll get you right to the search interface. You know, the entire search interface is one box and a button. That's the direct to button that everyone knows and loves from you know our GPSs. Uh, and it just asks the question, where do you want to fly? You type in your, uh, the city where you want to rent from or the airport identifier and we'll show you a map and geolocate, um, where all the aircraft are the map actually auto zooms to to always show you at least two operators so that you can kind of always choose uh where you want to rent so you can kind of compare uh back and forth once you pick uh pick your operator you then are um, able to see that operator's profile and the air and the profiles of all the aircraft that operator offers right so you can choose which airframe uh, meets your mission, right? So do you want to maybe pay a little less for, for a trainer that's, you know, been around the patch a few times, or do you want that shiny new, uh, you know, uh, lease back, you know, fresh from the factory that you're going to pay a little more for? Um, we, we give you all that information. We give you those options. You then make a, re a request to get checked out. And then once you're checked out, the system knows that you're checked out and, and then you're just making a request. I want to rent that airframe on that day. I'll, I'll take it at this time. I'll come back at that time and I'll fly for X number of hours, you know, and that's all handled online. There's no phone calls. There's no, you know, there's, there's much less back and forth. Um, you can actually um, navigate the entire app and do everything but actually, you know, rent the aircraft without giving us uh, a credit card or even creating an account. If you do want to start by creating an account, you can actually create an account just with a, with your email address and a password. As soon as you give us an email address and password, boom, you have an account and you can always return, log back in and continue to populate uh, items in your pilot profile uh, until you've got everything in there. So if you don't have your renter's insurance handy, you can, you know, fill in everything else and then come back. If you don't have your logbook with you. You can always come back. So we've tried to make it as easy as possible for people to, first of all, to become part of the community and then, uh, and then, you know, help them get the information that the operator wants to see, um, you know, to the operator so that they can be efficient about your time when you show up to, you know, fly a checkout or rent the airplane. Well, and, and a testament to how easy it is, uh, you've been explaining this to me, and I just signed up while, awesome. you, while you were explaining Welcome it. Welcome aboard. So, thank you. Thank you. And that's how easy it was. I mean, how long did it take you to explain that? And during that process, I signed up. So you, you should be getting my email soon. And I didn't have all that information with me, uh, so I can fill that in a little bit later. Interestingly, while I was looking at this, uh, during the sign-up process, it asked things like your last flight review, that type of thing. We had a... Uh, a an examiner and flight instructor roundtable last night. And uh, one of the parts of this discussion was the integrity of your logbook, and uh, which is prescient here. What The integrity of the checkout, I think, is important. In other words, one of the questions uh, last night was, how do you know someone hasn't pencil whipped their logbook? And of course, there's ways to figure it out. You know, if they said they went on a cross country, you can ask questions about that airport, that type of thing. Doesn't happen often, thank goodness. Uh, but there are people out there that do pencil whip. Uh, in other words, they put in entries that that are false just to get certain jobs. You know, or they may some say something that's not not true. There's 
got to be some way to to keep that integrity of that of that logbook. Usually, uh, people that are doing interviews for these jobs, they are able to figure this out uh, fairly simply. I, I would think that, and you can uh, speak towards this, that the integrity of this checkout is that the the instructor himself is going in there and saying, "Okay, this was done. This is a checkout on this such and such a date," and I say that he's he's good to go and he can rent this aircraft. That's that's my concern from the person that is working at uh, uh, FBO number B, FBO letter B, and he was checked out in FBO A. My biggest concern as a flight instructor, because you know it's important to make sure that everybody's still safe, is the integrity of that checkout. Maybe you could speak a little bit towards that. Well, there's a couple of ways that we attack that, because we understand that as well. Um, first of all, we, we look at it as, why would someone be motivated to pencil whip a checkout? Well, one is you're only giving the checkout because you want to, you know, get paid for your time, um, and you don't have a dog in the fight. So if the guy, um, you know, if you if you're instructor and you pencil whip someone's checkout and you're not renting aircraft to that person ever again, then it doesn't really bug you if he prangs an airplane, right? Whereas if you've got um, the ability to give the checkout because you're offering your equipment in the network. Then, then it becomes mutually assured destruction to a point. And that's what we've done is that um, in order to be able to, to provide checkouts, you've got to be an operator in our network offering aircraft for rent. There are a couple of waivers to that, but for the most part, that's kind of the, the idea is that uh, we've disincentivized people from pencil whipping checkouts because they've got a dog in the fight. So... And that you said this is a network of people, and that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, uh, what you said, and and that can kind of mesh into the integrity of that whole system. Now, you said somebody. One thing I wanted to ask. One more question. I said that was the last one, but one more. You talked about having aircraft for rent. You know, I'm thinking, wouldn't a lot of like uh, clubs wouldn't they want to get into this whole process? Is, is there anything in the future for the the flying clubs that could do this? Because they yeah, actually, sort of rent airplanes. Yeah, there's actually no reason why a flying club couldn't join our network today. We just don't have any yet because, again, we're just getting started. We're actually talking to a number of flying clubs. It's easier from their perspective if they're a non-equity club where, you know, you're not in a situation where you're, you know, you're requiring everyone to buy a piece of the airplane, right, right. Um, to be able to fly it. The reason most fl flying clubs will do that is because if everyone owns the airplane, then you're not renting it for hire and you don't have to do a hundred hour maintenance uh, cycle on it. You can just fly the airplane under part 91 and all you have to do is an annual, right? So non-equity clubs require are required to um, do hundred hour maintenance cycles. So of course that means they're more expensive to operate. Um, so from their perspective, um, we're easier to work with if you're a non-equity club. So we're, Anyone who's got an aircraft available for rent today, whether you're a flight school, whether you're a FBO that just has aircraft, you know, you're not really a flight school, you don't provide training, but you've got an aircraft available, or you're a flying club, um, is welcome to offer the aircraft in our network. The only thing we're really requiring is that the aircraft have a 100-hour maintenance cycle because the FAA, you know, the FAR requires us to have the aircraft, you know, um, have be checked by a mechanic every hundred hours of flight 
because it's for hire, and that the insurance that the aircraft has has a open pilot warranty, which means that you don't have to be named on the insurance in order to fly the airplane. And again, small small clubs or small partnerships typically have named insurance because you know it's less expensive, you know. But uh, so those are really the two key um, metrics that we look at uh, when when someone you know expresses an interest in adding an aircraft to the network. Well, that that's awesome, Rod. I tell you, I I join a whole bunch of different clubs, and I've had to get out of them because just that fact that hey I, I'm in one spot I'm in another spot I'm all over the country and and boy the clubs that I were, was in I'd love to stick with uh, this might be one way to do that if I could sell it to them that, that that's great I mean that sounds like a really good idea so I, I think you're onto something here right? I think it's it's awesome but, <laughs> sure well here comes the um, turkey sold, part right? sold, that's it. <laughs> thank you thank you very yeah. much you know, one of the things that came to mind as I've been thinking about this and with regard to my own situation is how can I and, and maybe this relates to everyone else out there. How can we help? Um, and do you, would you like us to help in the sense of, you know, we fly out of somewhere, we rent, and maybe they're in, maybe it's likely they're not part of your network yet. Um, you want us to walk in, knock on the door and say, hey, by the way, how come you're not part of this? Is that a good idea? Uh, absolutely. So the reasons why you're doing business with that operator are the reasons why we want to talk to them. Right. We're looking for the best operators in the business. Uh, we've actually created a little bit of a, a brochure, if you will, to um, introduce ourselves to operators. They um, uh-huh. can go to openairplane.com and kind of navigate around, or you can just tell them to go to operators.openairplane.com. Okay. That will load sort of the briefing for operators that kind of introduces uh, the concept to them, explains how it works, what's in it for them, and then there's a contact field, and if they get in touch with us, we're happy to follow up and, and start the process of onboarding. Um, really, it's their customers coming to them saying this is something that uh, they'd like to see is a, a really powerful way right. for us to be able to begin that business relationship. Because really, both ends of the equation matter. If I'm going to travel, I want to know there's more places I can go. But if I'm already flying somewhere, I'd like to be checked out there because <laughs> I'm already in their system, right? Right, right. Yeah. And again, we don't really change the relationship between you and that particular flight school that's in the network, right? You're still their customer. You won't use open airplane to rent right. from your local operator, even if they're part of the network. Right. The difference is they're now offering you kind of the supercharged checkout that gives you this uh, capability. The right. other thing I'll, I'll answer with is we're in, you know, now on, you know, 48 hours into this is the way you can help us is join open airplane and book your checkout. Or, you know, if you're a CAP pilot and you've got a Form 5, you know, create your profile, send us your credentials, and, and start renting, right? It's only once we're showing operators that we have the ability to generate incremental flight hours and bring them more revenue that our story really becomes real. And so uh, if pilots want to help open airplane and help this concept really go from, you know, what a lot of people have told us is a pretty cool idea and turn it into a business that really drives the community forward is come fly, turn a prop. Right. Cool. Wow. You know that this, you got me really sold on this now. I tell you, you know, one of the things that's really cool about your website is the fact that if I want to find a place to, to go to, and I found two schools that I know of on your website, there's, it's really easy. You just plug in there the 
airport identifier, or you can say find airports near me. And I, I love the way you have this set up, the whole United States. And uh, actually one of the schools, uh, which is out of Farmingdale, I was in the door the other day uh, looking at renting airplanes there and another one down in Kissimmee. So it's, this is, I'm pretty excited about this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go do the checkout. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Carl's on board. I'm, I'm on it. He's I'm, already spending I'm, his money. Everybody, get on board with this. This is this is awesome. I wasn't. This is not a paid advertisement. I tell you, this is this is really really cool. I just love how you have the layout there, and you know, I know you're. It's on both the coasts, but it looks like you're going to be uh, building uh, quite a few more. And Florida is a great place to start. You know, twenty eight percent of all the flight training is done in Florida in the in the Southern District there. So, a lot of people flying airplanes around there. Um, yeah, we've got two so. more bases in Florida coming online this week, and. Um, and then, you know, it's too, we've, we've just been inundated with inquiries from operators around the country um, because of the press that we got, you know, when we launched. And so that has really, you know, the typical message I'm getting is uh, from operators who have been kind of watching the idea, they've heard of it. You know, we, we definitely tried to build some buzz and, and, and try to build up the community before launch so that we'd have some inertia going into this. As we try to build this into, um, you know, a real movement that you know pilots can, um, you know, up their game, uh, demonstrate they've got proficiency, and then fly more, um, you know, and have a better experience for it, uh, is really going to, you know, be uh, something that can happen if you know if pilots go out there and they you know they fly those airplanes, and, and we're here to help. See, I told you guys this was going to be revolutionary. I've been saying it, it for is. a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've been one of the few that had the inside peek at certain aspects of the development. Uh, so I've, I've, I've seen through, you know, recent months what was coming up in the line. Now, Rod, you've done a, you know, a fantastic job of really explaining the entire business model and walking us basically through the front door from start to finish, both in getting the aircraft, uh, the initial signing up for the profile, registering for a aircraft checkout, walking us through the process of doing the checkout, renting the airplane, telling us how to use the app and the billing information. You know, there's there's one, I think maybe one common theme that some of us as renters see out there is when we go to an FBO, we don't really know what type of aircraft, we're, uh, what the quality of the aircraft is that we're renting. And what I noticed in, your, uh, in the six launch cities is that you have... A, I mean, first of all, you've got the operator profile telling the person about the, you know, about the operator, where it's located, and, and, and the likes of that. You've also got aircraft profiles. So, so a, a user, a renter can see, all right, this is the tail number. This is what it looks like inside. This is what it looks like outside. This is the equipment this, that it has. You also have uh, what... Um, you know, what Carl and I are used to seeing at the airline world, we use in our Jeppesen plates, we have a 10-7 page, which is like local procedures at this airport for my company. You've also expanded upon, uh, that was actually one thing we didn't really talk about, but I'll mention it briefly here. But, when, you know, when a person goes to a new area, one part of a checkout is not just can you fly the aircraft, but hey, listen, this is how we do things at this airport. This is the way the traffic pattern works. These are the obstacles, the local airspace. 
when our user goes in, you now have a local pilot uh, sort of briefing card involved uh, associated with that operator, correct? Yeah, we call it the local procedure briefing. And what we've done is we've created a product within our experience that really is designed to help every pilot fly with the confidence of a local. So we work with the operator to understand what are the things that we they would try to tell you during a local checkout, but instead of trying to uh, you know suck that information in while you're flying a, around in a Skyhawk for 45 minutes or whatever it would normally be, um, let's put that on your iPad uh, while you're waiting for the commercial flight to take you to the to the next city, right? It's a it, it's really a better way to ingest that information. It's all what we call the tribal knowledge that normally isn't documented, you know, on the chart or on the AFD. But again, if you fly for the military, you'd have, you know, the gouge for a particular base. If you fly in the commercial um, world, you're going to, you're going to have this Jefferson page. Uh, but if you're a pilot, you're just expected to sort of figure it out. And unless you're local, you'll never know what those reporting points are or uh, how to get fuel after hours or where the best place for a burger is. Uh, we've actually put that into the open airplane experience, and it's called the local procedure briefing. And uh, you know, we've been told that it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, pretty useful. In fact, we've made it public so that when you you don't have to be a member of open airplane to actually look up the local procedure briefing for any of the airports that we've published. Okay, well that's that that's good. And uh, you know, so there. There's another added piece of of simplifying the checkout, and it brings it brings the user up to speed of the local procedures. And like I was talking about before, we we got talking on that particular aspect. Um, you know, the website has air, an aircraft profile, and when the user's done, they can rate. Uh, they can not only rate the operator, the FBO, the rental agency, but they can also rate the aircraft. And if I understand correctly said agency can also rate the pilot. Uh, tell us about that side of the business. So we've created a reputation system, and it goes both ways. So when a pilot's done flying the airframe, they rate and review the airframe. They rate the, the airframe, the avionics, uh, and the interior. Uh, they give a star rating from, from one to five. Um, and then they, they give a, an overall rating for the aircraft. And then they can, rate, they can actually write a review of the aircraft. And only pilots who have flown that airplane with open airplane can, um, can input that. So we hope to have really clean, really useful ratings and reviews available for the next pilot who's going to potentially rent that aircraft to be able to understand what, this, what the condition of that aircraft is uh, and make their decision on whether that's the airplane for them. Um, we really built the pilot profile so that when you walk up to the aircraft on the ramp, there aren't any surprises. And having your fellow pilots rate and review the airplanes really gives you, um, you know, good information to be able to make good decisions. The same with the operator. So the operator gets a, a star rating and you can write a review. So what do they like to do business with? So that really what we hope is that this will incentivize the operators to raise their game. Right uh, to get more focused on customer service, on delivering a great user experience, um, because the operators that do that and you know focus on delivering great value to their customers are the ones that are going to 
rated very well and the ones that will probably get more business from open airplane. The flip side of this, because there's this cold war that's going on and has been for a long time between renters and operators, is that you know the operators know that most of the guys they rent the airplanes to are good actors, they're conscientious, they treat the airplane just as well as if they owned it, but then there's that guy that that and it's a bit of an edge case but they're you know the guy who brings the airplane back late you know bald spots attire leaves fod in the cockpit well they're not going to get a good rating because what happens is the operator gets to rate the pilot and review the pilot when they get back as as what kind of customer were they so this we hope will help the pilots be incentivized to up their game you know maybe take a couple of minutes and 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 fold the the seat belts so that the airplane cockpit is tidy. Maybe, you know, grab the squirt bottle and, and wipe down the, the leading edges so there aren't as many bugs on it for the next guy. You know, really be top of their game so that the pilot gets a good rating and a good review so that when they um, request their next rental, that next operator sees a, a strong, you know, star rating and good reviews and is more uh, likely to uh, to give them priority to, to to be able to access the aircraft. So we've created this balanced reputation system, which we hope will raise all. You know, it'll be a tide that raises all boats. Yeah, and I really think that it will. I mean, I've used some other services that are based on reputation. Airbnb is one of them. Uh, as as a person who travels, I use Airbnb a lot. Uh, you know, locally around Chicago, I use another service called Uber. It's it's a black car service, um, and I've I. I've always been the type of person to be respectful in those other environments. So not just for the purposes of getting a good, a good review or a good rating, those are nice. Um, but you know, it is, it's just, you know, I think it's a good kind of general practice to go into a place or, you know, when you use a product or service and you leave it as good, if not better than uh than when you found it so i that'll, that'll you know like you said it's going to raise the bar it's going to give it's going to weed out both um unsatisfactory operators and unsatisfactory renters and it's it'll just it's kind of a system that'll work itself you know the the good will rise to the, the the cream always rises to the top if you will so it'll separate everybody out um that's pretty fascinating now you've shared so much information with us um, not only for the Civil Air Patrol and open airplane, but, uh, you know, and, and we've asked a lot of questions for you today. And between myself and the other co-hosts, we don't necessarily have anything else uh, to ask of you. But before we do wrap it up, is there anything you just wanted to, you know, that we haven't touched upon that we may have forgotten about that you wanted to add or mention? Well, like I said, we've talked about this for a while. I don't want to take any more words time. I just want to say thank you. You guys have been fabulous in sort of helping us spread the word on what we're trying to do. Uh, again, we're, we, we didn't set out to start a company. We set out because we're pilots, uh, both Adam, my, my co-founder, um, you know, David Allen, Jonathan Johnson, uh, Jason Hoffman, you know, the, you know, and, and, and a whole bunch of other people have sort of been helping us along. You know, this isn't just a couple of guys toiling away nights and weekends. There's been a, uh, a really a movement that has started around this idea that private aviation can work better, can have a better user experience, and can grow again instead of contract. 
and um, and you guys are doing your part by helping us, you know, spread the word and get more pilots involved, get more operators, um, you know, signed up, and and those are the people that are going to work together to you know burn more av gas and and spin more Hobbs meters, and and that's the only thing that can really improve, um, you know, aviation for all of us. It's it's the only thing that'll save aviation is aviating, mm-hmm. and that's really what we've tuned the entire business to provide. Fantastic. So the website is openairplane.com. Are there any other uh, methods of contact? People can reach out to you, uh, Twitter, Facebook, phone number. What else? Uh, how else are you available for, for questions? And yeah, so we've got a phone number. Um, we've got a general office line that you can go to the website and find. If you log into Open Airplane, you actually get a special pilot hotline. Uh, which only appears to you when you've actually logged in, created an account. So, you know, uh, it gets you to the front of the queue uh, as far as uh, being able to actually pick up the phone if you've got an issue, if you've got a question. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Google+. Uh, so we're a very social company. There's lots of ways to get a hold of us. In fact, you can, you can send an email uh, it goes to everyone if you send an email to crew at openairplane.com. But I'll even volunteer. If you want to send an email to rod at openairplane.com, that's my email address. comes right to my inbox. Um, or, or call me. Um, I'll, I'll talk to anybody about this stuff, as you can tell after we've spent an hour talking about it. <laughs> I appreciate that opportunity. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. No, thank I, you. It turns out Carl has – he. He's a little late one coming quick. to that. I do I have any questions? He he does have one last question. Go well, ahead. Well, actually, I had a had a comment about this uh, system that you had here. I've, as you've been going through this, I've been going through every part of this website. The local procedures that you talk about, uh, the folks that I work for, we have something similar to this. The airline I work for that that is is fairly extensive. Just like this is fairly extensive. It's it's wonderful. It's like an airport briefing guide. You know, Rod, uh, the one other thing I was thinking of, do you think you'll ever get into flight simulators too? Because I know with the uh, newer flight simulators, most schools make you have a checkout. I was wondering if that might be something uh, that you'll look at even including into the system. I think flight simulators um, are definitely something that um, can be a useful tool in sort of helping pilots, you know, get initial training or, or, you uh, you know, practice skills, you know, for proficiency. Um, I flew a checkout uh, last week, as you guys know. I've I've, I've been kind of laid up uh, the last few months. I hadn't done a lot of flying, and so I actually went over to the Garmin store in downtown Chicago, where they've got a Frasca set up, and I I spent an hour uh, banging on the G one thousand to just kind of you know bring my proficiency level up, so that I wouldn't have to work as hard when I got to the the cockpit for my checkout, um, and because I had to go do a checkout and. Uh, and uh, so I think flight instruct, uh, flight and yeah, you know, flight simulators are are, are a great tool. Uh, I'm not the guy who spends a lot of time on the flight sim for the sake of flight simming. Um, I, I, you know, I, I I see it as a as a way to get sharp. Um, it's it's not a hobby for me. Uh, but uh, I think that we're trying to provide good tools for people to be able to show up at a flight school and and know what the the flight school wants you to know uh, that otherwise would take time and money to acquire so that if you hop in the sim and you're doing your proficiency, uh, you know, in the sim, you're, you're better prepared for that, which of course can help you be prepared, you know, to go fly the airplane. So uh, I guess, Rod, the other question I really have is 
There are certain simulators, though, that you can't use unless you do have a checkout, just like an airplane uh, because of the insurance requirements. I'm speaking more towards like the ones that move, uh, say, like a Redbird simulator. I was wondering if that might be something you might think of. I'm just, just putting that out there. Yeah, I think of it. I've actually had um, uh, the chance to go down to Austin. I've, I've, I've gotten to see how Redbirds are, are born, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's a really impressive organization. Um, they're doing some really great stuff. I mean, they've really disrupted uh, you know, how flight schools can use simulation um, you know, to provide training. And, um, you know, it's a lot of innovation down there. Um, we, you know, most of the operators actually that are in our network and our launch actually have a Redbird flight simulator. Um, so, so that's going to be a popular way to, um, you know, to, to again, brush, you know, brush the, the, uh, uh, the rust off. Um, you know, anything you can do to prepare yourself better to, you know, when you get into the simulator, you'll work, you, you won't work as hard. And, uh, and that means that, you know, when you get in the cockpit, you won't have to work as hard. You know, the, the military has a, has a concept that the more you, you sweat in training, the less you bleed in battle. And, uh, and I think Sims are a good tool for that. Well, great. Uh, appreciate, uh, those last couple of questions, Carl. Thanks for, Making sure that you got uh, got those in um, before you forgot. Uh, again, <laughs> the website is openairplane.com. Go ahead and go there and set up your account. Uh, it'll take you through the entire process, including finding your uh, your local operator. Don't forget, uh, as we speak, app operators are being added daily. So, uh, you know, if there's nothing in your local area today, do check back. Uh, you know, frequently to see what is popping up all over the place. Openairplane.com. Um, well, fantastic, Rod. We really do appreciate having you on the today. It's just been really, I mean, not only is the Civil Air Patrol stuff been fascinating, but what you're doing with the, with the revolutionizing the rental industry, like I, I like that word, is just the best I can describe as revolutionizing uh, the rental industry. The After Landing Checklist. If you want to get in touch with us here at the podcast, you can visit stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash contact. And all of our contact information is on there. Uh, from You can send us an email, give us a call on the phone. You can reach each one of us individually. Uh, all the co-host Twitter accounts are linked on there as well. stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash contact if you're looking to get a hold of us. Um, before we go, I did want to say one special thank you to ForPilotsOnly.com for sponsoring our episode today. Thank you so much for being uh, a sponsor with us. And from myself, Carl Valeri, Rick Felty, and our special guest, Rod Rackick. Thank you, Rod, for joining us, by the way. We all wish you uh, clear skies and calm winds. Take care. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast brought to you by thepilotreport.com, a Len Costa production.